Hey there, and welcome to Crying Out Cloud, the podcast that will make you laugh, cry, and reconsider all of your cloud security fears. I'm Eden from the CTO team at Wiz, and I'm here with my super rad co-host, Amitai. Hello, hello. Who is from our threat research team. Represent. Super lit. All right, should we do it? Yeah. Are you ready? Are you really as, ready? As ready as I can ever be. Okay, we have five stories for today. What are they? All right, so our first story for today, uh, last time we spoke about the 3CX supply chain attack, uh, and we have a bit more details, a bit more juice for you today. Good. Mm -hmm. So I hope you're thirsty. Uh, we have vulnerabilities in software called Papercut. Just like on your finger. Yeah, exactly. The exact same thing. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Capita, which is a UK company, and they exposed a cloud bucket for a very long time, and they had a bunch of details that were leaked that way. Uh, leaky bucket syndrome. Yeah, if you have leaky bucket syndrome, then contact your doctor because <laughs> <laughs> nobody should have a leaky no bucket. Um, and our fourth story is about Toyota, the car company. Uh, they had another, also had a cloud misconfiguration uh, that caused customer data to leak for also quite a few years. Uh, and the last story is on a new trend or possible trend of uh, hackers targeting containers for hijacking uh, network traffic. Beep beep. Which is the correct response. To traffic. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, let's start. Let's talk about the 3CX supply chain attack and what else we have learned. All right, so... Wait, um, let's actually take a step back and just give everyone an update on what we knew last time when we spoke, which was that 3CX customers, particularly a subset of their crypto companies that were their customers, yeah. were targeted by a supply chain attack, um, which was attributed to a North Korean threat actor. Correct. And then, since then, we learned, da da da. My turn? Yeah, your turn. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so it got a bit more interesting uh, since we last spoke. Um, so, basically, uh, this turned out to be not a single supply chain attack, but a double supply chain attack. Ooh, which we called it daisy chain yeah. supply chain attack. Because it's like, your chain, like you attack one company and then you attack another company through that yeah. attack and then. And, so and this on. is the first time publicly we've seen anything like this. Yeah, so the, one of the companies that researched this, uh, Mandian, uh, they say that this is the first time in history that they've ever seen something like this. They've seen a lot of stuff. Like, Mandian has seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they can put that quote on their website okay. if they want. I'll give it to them for free. You can quote me. Yeah. Um, so they say that this is like the first time they've ever seen like a double supply chain attack, which is like rare, like a double rainbow, right? Yes, and the way this happened is there was someone who worked at 3CX and they downloaded an app called Trading Technologies. Mm -hmm. We don't know why they downloaded Trading Technologies, but they did. Okay, so Trading Technologies, uh, in response to accusations that they were the, the actual source of this, of this attack, uh, have said that it's not a supply chain attack, technically speaking, because 3CX isn't their customers, mm -hmm. which I think isn't a really strong response to this. Like, you Bad know, excuse. Yeah, like they were the source. Uh, but yeah, it's very unclear why anybody at 3CX downloaded uh, the Trading Technologies application since they're not customers. Um, and also this application hasn't been in use for quite a few years, so it's sort of a weird aspect of, of this even weirder story. Um, maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't, maybe it'll always be Maybe there'll be more juice for the next episode. Yeah. But so we remain know... thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> so Trading Technologies, when they were attacked, mm -hmm. 
there was also access to a bunch of companies in the energy sector and financial trading companies. And then from there, 23CX, and then we know that a bunch of crypto companies were attacked. Yeah. So like in, in addition to 3CX, the North Koreans also targeted a few other companies. Like the 3CX. North Koreans went to town. Yeah, they went to town. Um, so like basically they trojanized uh, the trading technology app. They used that to get 3CX. It's probably it might have been on purpose. Like they might have like gone for 3CX mm. knowing in advance that they wanted to do a supply chain attack through them. Or it's possible they were just like, hmm, this looks like a good place to do a supply chain attack as well. Stumbled upon it. Yeah. If you are interested, Kim Zetter has a newsletter yeah. called Zero Day, mm -hmm. and it's really good in general. But she goes super deep into this story with like all the timeline and all this information, so highly recommend if you're curious. Yeah. And if you're just, you know, want to know what you should do if you are a cloud user and you're hearing the story, what are the takeaways? So I think it's kind of hard to give clear-cut advice here because preventing supply chain attacks is really hard. Um, if you are a customer of a company that has had a supply chain attack, there aren't really any good ways to prevent yourself from being impacted. It's very, very difficult because these are very hard to detect, which, which is what makes them so attractive uh, for threat actors. But generally, I think uh, there's a few things we can say here that can make it a bit less risky. One is if you are uh, an organization concerned about this sort of thing, you can use application whitelisting uh, on your uh, company workstations and on your servers to make People sure. People aren't downloading TT. Yeah, Just, <laughs> you know, random stuff from the internet. It's hard because, you know, people use their laptops for a bunch of stuff. Some people use their laptops for both work and life stuff. So it's really hard to sort of say to your employees, you can only download, you know, this list of mm -hmm. pre-approved applications. Um, but that does help. Like, that'll help you from, you know, at least let you know what your attack surface is. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is, you should always use vendors with a proven security record. Um, like, I'm not saying that the companies involved here had a bad security record, but obviously, you know, Use you have judgment to know, wise, yeah, right? you have to know who you can, who you should trust, right? Mm -hmm. um, and last thing is that since this supply chain attack was through a desktop app, right? Because it's something you install and executable on your machine. Um, if you are able to prefer using web apps, like for example, if you're using Slack, so if you can use the Slack web app. But like, use the Slack yeah, desktop app. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, it, it's hard. <laughs> this is this, this is why this is hard advice, right? Because mm -hmm. it makes life more difficult, mm -hmm. which is not something you want security Let me to do. Fatherly advice. Yeah, because um, then, like, when you run stuff in a web app, you're taking advantage of all the browser security yeah. and the sandboxing and everything. So, makes it again a bit less risky. Smidgen. Safer. A smidgen less risk. For our next story, we have the Iranian threat actors that have been exploiting an RCE vulnerability in Papercut. Yep. Now, Papercut is a printing management app. And you are you are rocked to your core. I by am this. shook that there is still a company <laughs> that does printing. And people still print. But then yesterday, just life story, my mom sent me some things that she wanted me to print. And do you have paper cut? And I was like, that's why paper cut is still in business. People have moms who want them to print things, mm -hmm. to sign. Anyways. Or banks. Or what? Or banks. Or banks. <laughs> that's it. It's for banks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so there was a vulnerability which allowed for unauthenticated remote code execution. Yeah. So 
Um, we're not going to go into too much detail about the vulnerability itself, but... We're going to go more into detail about the fact that there's still a printing company <laughs> that exists on planet Earth. But go ahead. Okay, uh, thank you. Um, so basically the vulnerability allowed um, if the server on which Papercut was installed was exposed to the internet, then anybody on the internet could access it and exploit this vulnerability. It was an unauthenticated vulnerability, which means that you don't have to sign in to exploit it. Um, and interestingly enough, this has reportedly been abused by threat actors in the wild. And even more interestingly, it's been abused by Iranian nation state threat actors. Um, so this obviously the Iranians are after people who print? Yep. So this is urgent. Yes. If you have Papercut installed in your environment. Yep. Who has Papercut installed in their environment? So we looked at like Papercut's website, right? And it seems like a lot of their companies, a lot of their customers are like universities and stuff. Mm. So I'm guessing if you are a university, you probably have to print a lot of stuff like, I don't know, diplomas. Um, so if you are a university and you're using Papercut, then you should patch. Uh, we also checked our own data, and we saw that it's installed in about 4% of cloud environments, which is a small number, but that, you know, it adds up. It's more than trivial. Yeah. It's not, like, non-existent. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing that this probably does exist in a lot of cloud environments, um, and it's an, an urgent thing to patch, and you should probably patch before the Iranians uh, figure out that you're unpatched. Do it. For our next story, we have a very interesting story that happened with Capita where they had a bucket that was exposed with sensitive data for, get this, seven years. That's a very long time. Yeah, people have like started school graduated and graduated middle school. With a, ma with a master's. Yeah, with a diploma that the <laughs> university printed for them. With paper. Yeah, they're not in university, they're in, they're in middle school. But. So, Capito is in the news, firstly, mm -hmm. because they were breached by a group called Black Boston. Yeah. Capita, Rewind is a company that does outsourcing. Yeah. So like, it's known that Capita handles like over six billion pounds of UK government contracts. Yeah, big company. Big company. A lot of potentially sensitive information probably around there. Black Basta, which is a cool name by the way. Scary. Scary, super intimidating mm -hmm. name, is an extortion group um, that does double extortion. You want to tell them what double extortion is? Yeah. So traditionally, when you think of like ransomware, you think about um, uh, ran like malware that runs in your machine, mm -hmm. encrypts everything, and then asks you for money, so they'll give you the decryption key, right? But a few years ago, um, groups that run ransomware figured out that they can make money twice, right? Or they can double their threat against your company because, in addition to encrypting, they say, "Wait, we already have all this data, so why don't we, in addition to..." demanding that you pay us to decrypt it, also threaten to blackmail you, right? Mm, like, so reach cute. out to your customers and say, you know, we breached them, we know who you are, right? Or say, if you don't pay us, then not only will we not decrypt your stuff, we'll also put it online for Black everybody Boston to see. Black sound really nice. They, they, I want to invite them to all my tea parties. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Black Boston attacked them. Then there's a really cool guy. I don't know, but he seems like a cool guy, mm -hmm. Kevin Beaumont who was looking into this stuff, and he found the bucket. The bucket. The bucket. What was in the bucket? Yeah, so he, he was like looking into the Capita case and following along and sort of digging into this. Uh, he's been writing a lot about this on Mastodon. Um, and I think like while he was looking into it, he, he just stumbled upon a bucket that had like a really descriptive name. It was like Capita Download or something. 
uh, which anybody Someone could find. Someone was very good at labeling buckets. Yeah, Capita <laughs> labeling A+. Plus. Um, and they found an S3 bucket, uh, which is a, like a, a storage unit on, 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 on AWS. Um, and it had been misconfigured to allow access to, by anyone publicly. And it had tons of data on it, like mm -hmm. hundreds of gigabytes of data. Now, a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Big. <laughs> uh, and he reached out to to Capita to say, like, hey, you have this thing. It seems completely unrelated to the Black Basta stuff, by the way. Like, this is just like a separate bad thing. Capita is just getting a double whammy yeah. right now. Fortunately, like, Kevin discovered it before, hopefully before anybody else did. But you know, he might not have been the first. And Capita said that this data, you know, was nothing wrong with this data being on the internet. Standard stuff, right? But Kevin when, would like to differ. Yeah, definitely. Like he's been he's been talking about this on 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 social, talking about how like this doesn't look like data that should be publicly exposed. And to prove his point, immediately after he reported this, then Capita, you know, made the bucket private. So sounds sketchy. Yep. That's all I'm gonna say. Um taking a step back, publicly exposed buckets with sensitive data. Still a thing. Mm -hmm. Still a threat to people's environments and people's data. Yeah, unfortunately. Yes. Takeaway: review your buckets, especially those with sensitive data and secrets. Right. That's it. That's it. That's really it. Nothing Simple more to say as about that. it. Yeah. All right. The Toyota story. Yeah. So this speaking one's of crazy. Uh, this one's a big one. Yeah. So speaking of like long-lasting public exposure, we have a very similar story here. Um, where they had... But actually, they win. They win? Because it's 10 years, right. not 7 yeah. years. 10 years is more. Like, the other guy who was born, like, when Capita made their bucket public, and he's now finishing middle school. So, our, like, the Toyota guy, who was born... Is applying for college. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, what do you want to talk about? What happened recently with Toyota? Okay. So uh, they recently made a press release that they discovered that they had accidentally misconfigured a cloud resource. We don't know what it was. It might have been a database. It might have been a bucket. It might have been something else. Um, and they say that it had data related to 2 million of their customers, uh, stuff that had been collected from their like smart car cloud stuff. Which now imagine smart car, GPS location mm -hmm. of cars, videos recorded from cars. I don't know what else cars yeah. do, but like nothing that on its own could be considered like personal data. Mm -hmm. But when you correlate this stuff with other data, it could definitely be risky. Like videos of your front lawn, right? Mm -hmm. They might have uh, yeah. like information that could be used to find you. Uh, your car's location, maybe one of those locations is your house, right? So yes. even though it's not like here's your name and address, it, you know. Correlating between email addresses it's and a GPS, hop and a step yeah, before it's pretty you get easy there. to get there. Yeah. So they've apologized, like they've taken responsibility for this. Thank you, Toyota. Yeah. Um, unlike other companies who who, who don't necessarily yeah. take responsibility, um, but again, this is pretty bad, and it's actually like the third case in recent memory of Toyota sort of screwing up like this. Um, in addition to this, a few months ago, they accidentally was it was found that they accidentally uploaded a bunch of credentials for their Salesforce portal on their Italian website. Ooh. So in addition to the Salesforce thing, they also, a few months ago, it was revealed that they uh, accidentally uploaded a credential to GitHub uh, for another private database that they had that also had a bunch of customer data. Do they know what private means? 
they do because that and that's why they apologize. Cool. At least now they do. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Cool. Cool. Um, again, like I think their handling of this situation can be considered good, like from a PR perspective mm -hmm. and you know just from like responsible behavior. But they definitely need to work yeah. harder on securing it's also, stuff. It's also interesting to see if they have proper logging around this data and if sometime over the past 10 years anyone accessed it, used it, etc. Mm -hmm. So they've said that they found no evidence that anybody had looked into this. Um, but we also don't know the extent of how much logging they have around it. Yeah, so whenever a company says we found no evidence of exploitation or we found no evidence that anybody had found this data before it was publicly disclosed. You might raise your eyebrows. Yeah, you should raise your eyebrows. Mm -hmm. It's important to keep your eyebrows always raised in the security field. Never <laughs> put them down for even a second. <laughs> yeah, so when a company says that they looked through their logs or that they couldn't find any evidence of exploitation or whatever, mm -hmm. um, it's always suspect because you never really know um, how far back they have even logs. You never know if they actually even have logs to begin with. Like if you only have logs for a week for an incident that's been going on for 10 years, then if you look at them and find no evidence of exploitation, then you can say we found no evidence of exploitation. But doesn't mean much. Yeah. Um, so big kudos, big kudos to companies that do actually say we do have logs mm -hmm. going back to when this service was launched or when we did this change and we can confidently say that nobody accessed this data, which is a very big difference than in saying. In statement, yeah. yeah. So the takeaway is, if you are an organization, namely a very, very big organization with very, very important data, you should invest, you should make sure that you have strong, safe deployments and post-deployment monitoring. Yeah. Like you need that. to have something that will alert you if you made a mistake. They're and really wonderful tools. I don't know any of them, just kidding, um, that you could use to do that. And now, for our last story, we have a potential trend, keep your eyes out for TikTok, just kidding, um, of attackers that are now hijacking containers for traffic routing instead of crypto mining. Yeah. Break this down for us, Amitai. Sure thing. Um, so uh, installing crypto mining malware, or the, the term for it in the industry is crypto jacking, where like you hijack something for crypto mining, uh, is a really popular way for attackers to monetize their access to containers uh, or to Kubernetes clusters or Docker servers or whatever, um, because it basically lets them spin up a bunch of resources, mine crypto mining for as long as they can until they get discovered, mm -hmm. and move on. You know, and they they don't lose any profit because you know whatever they mined remains theirs. Cool. Um, and often, like Kubernetes clusters might not have sensitive data, so it might not be worth doing like a ransom attack. Um, so it's just been a very, very effect cost-effective way for attackers to monetize their access. But the profit margin on crypto mining has gone down a bit over the past few years. And to be profitable now, you need to have like a really, really big scale operation. Mm. Um, so it's interesting to see like what attackers will think of next to sort of try to figure out how they can monetize like small scale stuff. Um, and Trend Micro has like a bunch of honeypots that they have set up, like mimicking cloud environments, as mm -hmm. a lot of companies do. And they recently saw something interesting, which was an attacker that had targeted a container, and instead of installing like a, a crypto miner, mm -hmm. they installed something called uh, Proxyware. And what 
is a proxyware? So proxyware is a term for um, software that basically turns your computer into a proxy for other people so that other people can connect to you. So interestingly, there are apparently companies that will offer you money to turn your computer into a proxy server mm. so that like they'll pay you for allowing them to forward traffic through you and then that traffic goes to either legitimate stuff like people trying to bypass like their firewalls and something mm -hmm. or on, in, in their oppressive countries or whatever and also like more sketchy stuff like uh, ad fraud which is where someone will like um, uh, convince someone to host an ad and then they will click on it a bunch of times you know in an automated fashion uh, in order to strip that person of their money uh, and then like you think that sad for the very sad yeah. like you think you have customers clicking on your ad but, but it's no actually one is buying your stuff yeah it's all bots and bots don't buy clothes okay. they, they don't like clothes um, so anyway it, it's interesting to see like threat actors sort of going okay I can't monetize your CPU or your mm -hmm. GPU so instead what will I do I'll monetize your network traffic right and that's the new frontier maybe like maybe. We, we maybe we don't know we'll yeah see. but keep your eyes peeled and your eyebrows raised <laughs> and get Botox <laughs> um, okay, so the takeaway here is this is a trend. We need to wait and see. Mm -hmm. And what else? So, I mean, at the end of the day, this might be considered malware. Mm -hmm. So it, if it's malware, it can be detected by whatever you use to detect malware, whether that's like an antivirus or, uh, you know, if you're deploying containers to your Kubernetes environment, then you can use an admission controller to prevent, you know, images that you don't want to be there to be there. Um, so there are a bunch of ways to prevent this from happening to you. There are a bunch you. of really cool companies also that have admission controllers. I've never heard of, of any of them. No. Cool. If you need someone should talk to me after the podcast, I'll give you a name okay. or two. All right. That's it. We covered our five stories for the day. Mm -hmm. Of the, the month. month. Every day I say the day, the week, but it's really the month. The year. <laughs> no. The century. There's more for the year. Let's go through the takeaways from the pod. If you weren't listening, it's a great time. The potaways. The potaways. Oh, cute. The take a pods. <laughs> Here is where you should tune in and listen to our takeaways. The first story we covered the more juice on the three CX supply chain attack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So protecting against supply chain attacks is hard, um, but there are stuff you can do to make it a smidgen less risky like using application allow listing to make sure that you manage your attack surface and know what's installed in your environment uh, and possibly also preferring web apps um, because those are harder to supply chainalize. Mm, you're just making up words left and right. That's what I do towards the end of the podcast. Great. For our second story, we talked about the paper cut vulnerabilities. Yeah, so patch your exposed servers where you are printing from and managing your printing. Yes, and Preferably, don't print yeah. because it's terrible for Go the green. environment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, don't print, otherwise the Iranians will get you. I think that, that's going to be the takeaway. Take yeah. Third story, the Toyota data leak. Yeah, so as you mentioned before, like the bigger you are, the harder you fall. Ooh, good one. Yeah, so the bigger your cloud <laughs> environment, the more data you have, and the more responsible and more careful you have to be about where you put your data and how you store it. And you have to have really good processes in, in, it, you have to have really good processes in place to make sure that you know, your stuff isn't leaky. Lovely. For our fourth story, there was the Capita Leaky Bucket. Close your buckets. 
close them tight. Throw away the key. Don't throw, <laughs> Don't away, throw the key. away the key. <laughs> for our fifth story, we have the hijacking containers for traffic routing instead of crypto jacking. Yeah, thereby proving that uh, attackers are a creative bunch uh, and they'll always find creative and uh, novel ways to make money off their access to you, the victim. And that is all for this episode of Crying Out Cloud, presented by the cloud security company, Wiz. And if you enjoyed the show, which we sincerely hoped you did, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Give us a rating. And remember, unlike your IAM policies, more stars is better. And if your cloud security strategy is making you cry, don't worry. Just cry out cloud.